Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to The Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Possible Worlds, Episode 1, titled Ladder to the Stars. Alright, we're uh, we're back around again, starting the third and final Cosmos series, beginning of the end. Uh, and starting off very, very well, with a very, very good premiere episode. Uh, right off the bat, thing that has to be said... Pretty much all of the basic building blocks of Cosmos are still very much present and still very much magnificent. The visuals are still breathtakingly gorgeous. Uh, the score is still really, really good. Neil deGrasse Tyson continues to be a magnificent, magnificent host. Uh, there continues to be this sense of awe and wonder in literally every single second of it. It's still so so damn good in pretty much all the ways that matter. Uh, I will, however, get one major criticism of this first episode off right at the top. And I pray to God this doesn't persist. Man, they really assumed we didn't watch a space-time odyssey, huh? They really, really assumed we didn't watch that first show. Like, so much of this episode is just recycling segments that we already covered in Space Time Odyssey. Recycling information that they already spent a lot of time covering in a Space Time Odyssey. Like, they have, like, the big intro for the Ship of Imagination. We need a Ship of Imagination powered by skepticism and wonder. Uh, they do Cosmic Calendar. The Cosmic Calendar is, uh, all of time uh, compressed into a single calendar year. They do a segment on evolution, as if evolution wasn't, like, a giant segment in the first show. And, I mean, look, inter-series repetition isn't new for the Cosmos franchise. I mean, Space Time Odyssey spent a lot of time 
retreading segments from the Sagan version, but, like, Space-Time Odyssey was a reboot. This is a goddamn sequel. Like, this literally is meant to build on Space-Time Odyssey. So when you spend so much of that first episode just assuming we haven't watched Space-Time Odyssey and just regurgitating a lot of stuff that we've already done in that other show, it's just like, no, you're wasting time. Do anything else. Do literally anything else. It's as if The Empire Strikes Back had a scene where they went, as you know, the Empire are the bad guys, and Darth Vader is their leader. <laughs> as you know, uh, the lightsaber is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Like, just no, 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 stop. You're wasting time. Get into new shit. We know what the Cosmic Calendar is. We know what the Ship of Imagination is. We know about evolution. We know about all this other stuff. Like, just get into the new stuff. Get into the new information. Get into the new stories. Go. Uh, I, 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 am, I am annoyed that this episode kind of spent so much time with, like, essentially recapping certain segments of a space-time odyssey. Uh, but... When it does get into new information, when it does get into new stories, it does very, very well. Oh, there's this really cool segment where we dive into, like, the collision of two black holes and the gigantic mass of gravity waves that it gives off uh, and its effect on all of space. And that bit is just so freaking cool. Uh, We get a segment on the evolution of cities. Uh, starting with the first city, Shatal Hoyak, I believe is what it's called. Uh, that big mass of just apartments with no streets, no windows. Uh, you just walk across rooftops until you come across the opening to your little apartment and go inside. And it's this like small place for seven to ten people. Uh, everyone has the same conditions. Everyone's living the same way. There is no hierarchy. There is no dominance. There are no rulers. Uh, it's just this very, very equal society. Uh, and then from that all the way up to what we know today. All the way up to the cities that became hubs of uh, different types of people commingling, uh, the exchange of ideas, and this, uh, in the right conditions, freedom of thought and expansion of ideas that came about. And here we get into, <laughs> here we get into Renaissance era Holland. Now, when. Tyson started to talk about Renaissance-era Holland, I got a bit scared. Because people who listen to this show regularly know I've talked about a section of Cosmos where they talk about Holland before in Carl Sagan's Cosmos. And I hated it. A lot. It was bad. It was a bad segment in a bad episode where Carl Sagan just spent an hour going, isn't Voyager cool? And that's it. So I got a little afraid that Tyson was going to take a similar route. Thankfully, he did not. 
thankfully, this exploration of Renaissance-era Holland worked far better than what Sagan did in his show. Mainly because, while yes, Tyson was mostly just listing off certain people and their accomplishments, it was also part of this overall narrative about how human civilization got from hunter-gatherers to today. It was in service of this larger narrative that Tyson was telling, and as part of that, as like a stopgap in that road, it worked. It, it totally worked, and it totally served its purpose in that way, and we weren't just listing accomplishments for no reason, like Sagan was doing when he was just like, somehow he related how cool Voyager was to Renaissance-era Holland. I don't know what, that episode was weird. That episode was weird and bad, and I don't like it. Uh, but this worked. This worked way, 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 way better. Uh, and in the midst of that, we also do a story about Spinoza, this guy in the, uh, in the Jewish faith who decided to just, like, shun the Bible, shun, uh, the sacred texts and say, uh, hey, uh, you're all being superstitious and weird, my God is nature, my God is everywhere, my God is in the natural laws of the universe, like, this is the sacred text we should be reading, this is what we should be spending time on, and then, mm, a lot of people reacted negatively to this, to say the least, uh, there was excommunication happening, he got attacked a couple times, uh, and he was kind of stretching the limits of that tradition of free thought that Holland enjoyed at that time. And it was a really spectacularly told, very, very compelling story that went very, very well, that went in a really spectacular direction. Uh, Tyson even linked it to Albert Einstein, talking about how he made a pilgrimage to uh, Spinoza's residence, Spinoza's old residence, uh, and would often say when asked if he believed in God, he would say he be believed in Spinoza's God. Uh, the God that is in all the laws of nature. We then jump from this to talking about uh, a parable in the book of nature uh, of two great kingdoms that formed an alliance, but then someone came and ruined it all. It, it's humans. It, we ruined it. Uh, the alliance was between the plant and animal kingdoms. Uh, he talks about how plants and bees <sighs> talks about how they uh, work together, talk about how they cohabitate with one another, uh, the relationship of flowers spreading pollen with bees who uh, get pollen attached to them and spread from flower to flower. Flowers uh, bloom because of that. Uh, bees are basically responsible for maintaining 35% of the world's crops. So, as terrifying as they are, as much as they are all horrible death machines, humanity... <sighs> <sighs> humanity, mm, I can't say it, I, mm, humanity needs them, oh, ugh, I hate it, I hate, I hate bees, 
Bees are the worst. Bees suck so bad, but I guess humanity needs them because that's the way the stupid world works. Ah, I don't know. But we then, from that, go back to the Halls of Extinction. Now, immediately you're probably thinking, oh no, Halls of Extinction is another thing where... Uh, Thomas is very annoyed because this was a thing in Space Time Odyssey, and Tyson's just regurgitating that, uh, pretending that, uh, no one watched Space Time Odyssey. He probably is annoyed that this segment exists. Actually, no. They handle it well. Uh, Tyson kind of goes into this Halls of Extinction segment, aware that Halls of Extinction was very much a thing in Space Time Odyssey, assuming everyone remembers that, and just... Building on what we already know from it. In fact, he actually opens the segment by saying, I think you know where we're headed. Like, just wink and a nudge, like saying, yeah, you remember this. You remember this. We don't have to recap this. We don't have to do anything with it. Uh, And actually, the sixth corridor with no name is given a name. That I'm just now realizing I completely forgot. <laughs> uh, Apothocene, I think? Ah, damn it. I gotta get my original notes. I See, I take two sets of notes for this show. One while I'm uh, watching the show, just writing everything. And then another where I go through my notes and decide what's important. Uh, what I have to talk about. Uh, so, I know the name is in here somewhere. Uh, no, that's too far in. Um, oh, wait, am I... Pfft, idiot, I'm wa- I'm reading the notes from the last episode. Dumbass. Uh, okay, let's see. Let's see. That's the Spinoza stuff. Um... I'm getting closer. Getting closer. Anthropocene. There we go. It's Anthropocene. We are now in the Anthropocene mass extinction event that is happening currently. We are in an era where uh, life on this planet is threatened to be uh, destroyed completely. And so that sixth corridor has a name, we're going through it, we see all the species that Homo sapiens have hunted to extinction already, including Neanderthals. Yeah, we kinda killed our cousins. That, uh, that wasn't our finest hour, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, (laughs) And then we go into the future. And Tyson flat out says, like, uh, if we don't act now, this corridor is going to keep going. But it's not too late. It's not too late to cut off this corridor now and keep it from extending. If we fail, Tyson doesn't even say it. He just looks at a window that just has this field in it. Saying, like, if we fail, all these plants die. But then we talk about if we succeed. And this is what I love. So Possible Worlds, basically the pitch of it as I remember it, is that Possible Worlds would kind of... Focus on what possible futures humanity could have in store. Uh, What 
the next phase of humanity might look like, where we might be going as a species. Like, it is possible. It is the possible worlds that we could inhabit. Uh, That is the pitch as I remember it. We'll see how well they live up to that. Uh, They have plenty of episodes to screw that up, but... They do it very well in this episode, and they lay the groundwork for that very well here, uh, starting with this future expedition that we see played out. Uh, Tyson kind of imagines this world where we have, like, these thousands of uh, sun sails just launching into space. We got this giant beam of light from laser rays just kind of pushing them out into space. There's a thousand of them. They're all, like, really small, weigh only a gram, uh, small as a pea, but uh, they have as much as Voyager and also more. Uh, They'll get pushed to 20% the speed of light, uh, speeding towards Alpha Centauri, exploring the worlds of Alpha Centauri. It'll take 20 years for for us to get there, uh, for those ships to get there, and four years for the information they find to be sent back to us at the speed of light, and we will start charting worlds, including one that exists in the habitable zone of the Alpha Centauri system that maybe could get settled at some point. And it's this really cool moment. It's this really cool moment where it's just like, yes, let's look to the future. Let's look at an actual, like, possibility of uh, human beings going forward. And it's this beautiful sequence to end out the episode and to kind of establish what this show wants to do, what this show kind of, like, wants to talk about. FaceTime Odyssey was all about the present and the past. Uh, This was about, like, where we are and how we got here. Possible worlds, yeah, we'll still have past elements. Yeah, we'll still have present elements. But we want to lean further towards the future. At least, that's how it was pitched initially. Again, who knows how well they're able to stand up to that. I haven't seen most of this show, uh, as I've been saying already. But yeah, this was a very, very good uh, start to the series. This was a really, really solid premiere episode. Uh, Cannot wait to talk about the rest of it. Uh, If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow we will be discussing Cosmos Possible Worlds Episode 2. Talk to you then.